Ooh, the anointing of the pulpit. I am trusted with it. Pastor James and Miss Jesse, I want to say thank you. We love you guys so much. You guys have great pastors, by the way. I just, we're, we're honored to just serve you guys. I, I, it's not appropriate if I don't start off by saying that. Yeah, this right here is all great, but I love just being under you guys and your authority. So I love you guys. I want to start off by saying that. And then Pastor James did say that I have to go really quick. Um, I'm pretty much, I think the rumor's out. I'm, I'm preaching today, so-called, so forth, but I'm really just going to be sharing my story. A lot of you have seen me up on stage and have seen how crazy and loud and, and just rowdy I can get, but I want to let you know that there is a reason why I'm kind of that way. So again, it's really quick. He said 30 minutes tops. How many of you can give me like five minutes? Can I have five minutes? Raise your hand. Five, ten 15, no, keep them up, 20, 20, okay, we got plenty of time here, we got plenty of time, so Pastor James, if you're watching, they did it, not me, it was all them, they said they want it, so I'm going to read real quick, and then we're going to get into my story, there's not going to be like a point one, point two, point three. I'm just going to speak from the heart, and I want to start off by saying that my testimony isn't really my testimony without my wife. Uh, she's not going to be in part of this one, but if you want to hear that on another day, you can definitely come and ask us. She is a huge part of why I'm even doing what I'm doing. Long story short, she said that I want to marry a pastor, and I said, that's me, baby. I'm going to be a pastor, and so, but she's a, she's a great, great, great part of my testimony, so that's that. And so I'm going to read real quick. Uh, if you guys would, turn to Matthew with me. Matthew chapter 18. And like with me, I, I get to the place like where scripture, like it, there's spots in it where it speaks to you. Does anyone have like a certain story in the Bible where it really just sticks to you? Like I'm not talking about like really like a, like your favorite scripture verse. I'm just talking about like a story. Every time you read it, you're like, that's, that's for me. Well, this is mine. I'm going to share mine with you. It's Matthew 18, verse 12. If you're there, don't say amen, say word. I'm, I'm a little young, so we, we keep it hip up here. So Matthew 18, verse 12, it says this. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountain and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the 99 that never went astray. So he is not. So this is not the will of my Father who is in heaven. The one of these little ones should perish. And if you've heard anything that I've said before, I think I said this like on my first introduction, like I was the one that he left. Like I was the one that like kind of went my own way and he left the 99 to run after me. Like this is why this story, like it, I, this is my story. Like, I think God wrote the Bible, and he was like, this is a story I want Seth to have. And so I cling very hard to that. And so now, with all that being said, this is the story of Seth. So I'm going to take you all the way through. We're going to start when I was a little baby. If you can believe it, at one point, I was little. I was little. I did not come out this way. So look, we're going to go back to the good old days. My mom, her name is Charity. Um, she did, honestly, the best that she could, and it, it all started, she was a bartender. She, she just like me, was kind of running around doing her thing, living for the world. Her dad was actually a pastor, so my, my granddad is a minister of the gospel, and so she just kind of 
you know, just did what, what I did. She just kind of ran off. So she was a bartender, and that's where she met my biological father. Um, they got together, obviously, I don't need to go into all that. They got together and then had me. And so my dad, though, my biological father was an extreme, extreme alcoholic. And they were dating and talking and doing all that sort of stuff. And mom said that when she was pregnant with me, she's starting to slowly get her life right. She's slowly starting to, to come back to her roots, come back to what she's always grown up with. And so she's doing that. And Alan, who's my biological father, didn't want any part of it. And so story rumor has it that when she was pregnant, they lived in an apartment together. And that Alan pushed her down the steps when she was like seven months pregnant with me. And so obviously as a mom, she's freaking out, doesn't know what to do. And she's crying her eyes out, wondering why is this happening to me? Like what is wrong? She goes to the doctor in a panic, obviously thinking that there's obviously some huge damage to me. And my wife would say that there is some damage, uh, if you ask her. Um, but she goes to the hospital and everything comes back. I don't know how or, or what, but it's clear. It's fine. I'm obviously okay. Um, so that's what happens. They, they have me. Um, I can go a lot longer than I need to, but they have me and they, they end up separating. They never get married. So when I say my biological father, it's because I, I, I don't know him. All I know is his name and, and I have one picture of him. I, ha I have no idea who he is or what he looks like. And so a year or two goes by and mom's just living by herself and she runs into who I call now dad. He's all I've ever known. He's, he, he's raised me since I was one years old. He's all I know. His name is Chris Bertorelli, hence the last name. So if you're wondering if you've ever said that I'm Italian, like I'm a six foot seven, blue eyed, blonde hair Italian, I'm not, but I am. Like that's all I know. Like it's, it's New York Yankees. I talked to a Mets fan the other day. It's that or nothing. It's that or nothing. So I, I'm, I'm Italian all the way. Like, I, I grew up with a family full of them. And so my dad comes in the picture when I'm one years old. And him and my mom, she was kind of, she, you know, she just got out of something that was really huge in her life. And so she really kept her distance for a while. And my dad was in full pursuit after my mom. And um, after a probably about a couple months, six months, she finally let him come over to see me. So for six months, she was like, I have a son, but you're not allowed to see him. Stay away just because of all the torment that happened. And so six months later, so I'm like a year and a half, dad comes into the picture and I fall in love with him. I wish I would have had some pictures and stuff up that I could show you. Like we're still like this. Like I love this guy with all my heart. And so they got married in, in two years. So when I was two years old, they got married and he looked at my mom and said, I want to make him mine. My name when I was born was Seth Grayson Morris. I took the name of my mom, obviously, because my dad was, my biological father was never in the picture. And so, but he said, I want to make him my firstborn. And so he put his last name on my back. And so I was a Bertarelli. I'm now Seth Grayson Bertarelli. And so he took me in wrapped his arms around me, and, like, there's a deep level of appreciation and love that I have for my dad, even though we're not blood. Like, my dad's, like, this tall on a good day. He's Italian. Like, he can't help it. He's bald. I'm not bald. I have a full head of hair. Like, it's just, it is what it is. You know, he's, he's trying to grow a beard now, but it's just not working. 
Um, he, he's, he's this tall. He, and, like, I was, like, that tall when I was, like, six years old. And so, but I, I love him. Like, there's just, like, he, he chose to put his name on me when he didn't have to. Like, there's just a, a level of love, even though I love my mom. Like, I'm a daddy's boy. Like, I, that is just, it's clear. There's no denying it. And, and you'll, you'll figure it out in a second. So my dad put his, his last name on my back, and I just fell in love with him. We, we started playing baseball. This is one of my jerseys. Um, I'll get to this story in just a second. Um, and we started, we started playing, doing all the dad stuff. And so they, obviously, they get married when I'm two. They, they do what my parents did. They had another one. And his name is Nick, who I am really in love with. He's my boy. He's my brother. We're two years apart. And uh, Nick is the same way. Nick, Nick is this tall on a good day. On a really bad day, he looks like this. Um, he's not bald, thank God, but it's coming. Um, he's this tall, and, like, I, I love him. Like, he's like a little image of my dad. And it's, it's hilarious because they have the same, like, mechanisms and stuff like that. It's really funny. Um, so they had him. And this is when we're in North Carolina. I'm born and raised in Charlotte. So about when I'm two years old, they have Nick. And so we grew up together until I'm four. He's two, I'm four. And we decide to move to Florida. So we move all the way from Charlotte, North Carolina to Miami, Florida. And so if you've gotten to talk to me, I know very little about North Carolina. I just know that I was born there and I remember the apartments that we lived in. But other than that, I don't know. Um, so I was pretty much, what I say is I'm born and raised in Miami because that's where a lot of my roots came from. I know I don't sound like that. Bear with me. You'll get to that part in the story. So born and raised in Miami, and we're, we're living life. We're in an apartment. We're doing, we're doing fine as a family. And like a year later, like things just turn south. Things just dive off the cliff. Like my parents are arguing all the time. They're fighting. They're yelling. They're they're doing all these sorts of things, and, like, I'm, I'm trying to raise Nick, um, who's my brother, because, like, they're just arguing all the time, and, and my mom's pregnant with Tori, who's my little sister. The, the Italians get busy, and so we're, we're having, they're popping out babies left and right, and I'm having to be, like, a parent to, like, both of my little, little siblings, and so Tori comes along. And we finally move into a house. We get settled. We're living the, the Florida dream. We got a pool. We got everything. And, like, it's just going further and further, further south. And, uh, I, like, we come home from school, and it's just, like, constant arguing. And um, it's, just, it's just a bad environment to be in when you're a kid. Um, and let me say this, too. I have to be very sensitive of what I'm saying because um, I do have family that's watching, and my job is not to tear down but to honor. So if you want to hear some more stuff, you're going to have to come to me later because um, I'm, I'm kind of, I have to be sensitive, so I do want to say that. Because um, at the, this is, it sounds really bad now, but me and my parents are as close as we'll ever be. So I, I want to say that too. Um, but so they had Tori, um, who's my little sister. We're about six years apart, and she's a little, little baby, and it just gets really bad. And my mom pretty much gets tired of it. And she's like, we got to go. We got to do something. And so we wake up for school like no other day. We wake up for school. We get our clothes on. And, like, I'm, I'm helping mom with Tori and getting Nick ready. Like, I'm pretty much, like, practically Nick is like my son. I'm getting him ready. And dad storms out. And it's this, this is in the morning. And he comes in and says, like, goodbye. I love you. 
you know, and just really doesn't say anything. The mom just keeps on walking by because we just got done with an argument. And, uh, like, mom looks at all three of us, not really Tori, but looks at me and Nick and says, like, pack your stuff, we're leaving. So I have no, I, I'm in shock. Like, I'm just like, okay, like, where are we going? Like, we're going to Universal? Ching! Out of school. No, we weren't going to Universal. We go from all the way of Miami, Florida. She packs our stuff because, again, I'm four, Nick's, I'm six, Nick's four. Like, I, we're, we're helping, but we're not really helping. We, she packs our stuff, gets in a car, and we hit the road with me, Nick, and Tori. And we're about South Carolina, and I finally, car ride's silent. It is dead silent. And I finally get to the place where I'm like, Mom, where are we going? Like, where, where are we going? I got Nick back here. I got a baby back here. And, like, it's been dead quiet. Like, it's, there's no 88.1 Way FM playing nothing. Like, it's, it's just quiet. And I finally, by the time we get to South Carolina, I'm finally like, Mom, where are we going? Where are you taking us? I got a baby back here that's crying her eyes out. Nick's clueless. And I'm just as clueless as he is. Like, we just want to play outside. And she turns around and says, we're leaving your dad. We're going to be with Nanny and Pappy, who are my grandparents. And the thing about it is we're all the way, you guys know, Miami's all the way down here. My grandparents live all the way up here in Bangor, Maine. So we go from Miami, Florida to Bangor, Maine. Like, it has to be, re- I thought it was bad. It has to be really bad to do that. Like, we're all accustomed to Florida weather. Like, that's as cold as you can get. Like, Pennsylvania ain't got nothing on that. No, like, but we go up really far. And for that, we stayed up there for a whole year. I went to school out there. And, like, I, I never, ever got to call Dad. I talked to him once. Like, I talked to him, I think, maybe two times. Never talked to him. And, again, I'm a daddy's boy. Like, that, I love my dad. And so for me to not talk to him, it, like, burned me. It, it hurt. And so... A year obviously passes by. I'm in school out there in Maine, and my dad's fighting for us to come back home. And finally, after a year of of court dates and trials and stuff, the court finally has us go all the way back from Maine to Florida to have court and trial. And so obviously they're getting a divorce. Like, that's obviously apparent. So they get a divorce. And how it works with divorce, if you know, like the kids are with their dad on this day and their mom on this day. And so that's what happened. Um... Again, daddy's boy, here's how the schedule worked. Bear with me. I'm going to let you walk through a little bit of Seth's life when I'm seven years old. Mondays and Thursdays were mom's days. Say that with me. Monday and Thursday, mom's days. All right, so Tuesday and Wednesday were, wow, you guys are a good church. Tuesday and Wednesday were dad's day. Those were the days that I really, really was looking forward to because that was when I was playing baseball with dad again. That was when I was out on the field. I'm pretty much, if you were to draw blood, you'd probably still find baseball clay in my veins. Like, I loved baseball. And so Tuesdays and Wednesdays was that. I was just playing baseball with dad, loving it. And I did on Mondays and Thursdays, but it's not the same playing catch with your mom. It's just not the same. And so, but how it works is Monday and Thursdays, mom's days, And Tuesdays and Wednesdays were dad's days. And Friday through Sunday, it switched. So let's say it's week one. Monday, mom. Tuesday, Wednesday, dad. Thursday, mom. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, mom. That meant Seth had to go to church. 
Seth didn't like going to church. Not at all. Because those were the days when I was traveling, I was doing baseball. And as a little kid, we didn't have base camp. I went to an old Pentecostal church, and it was just known that the kids sat with the parents. I hated it. I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't like it at all. And every time I went there, I despised going, just despised going. And so I would go from Monday, Thursday, so it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, because Monday's still her day. So it's five days in a row where I'm with my mom. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm not going to make it to Tuesday. I'm not going to make it. So it went Tuesday, Wednesday. This is week two. Thursday would be with mom, and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday back with dad. And so we did that all the time. And this is when I'm starting to really, really progress in baseball. Because in Florida, and I mean, you guys know in the wintertime, it's like, you know, 50, 60 degrees, and we're still playing baseball. Like, I'm still traveling everywhere playing baseball. I love it. And so I'm really progressing at this point in my life with baseball. I'm playing all the time. I'm playing people above my age. I'm just doing everything I can to get better. And so let's skip ahead a little bit. Um, by the time I'm like, I think, 9 or 10 years old, my mom sits us down, me, Nick, and Tori. Tori's a little bit older at this point, obviously. She sits us all down, and she says, I'm going to be moving. So she went all this time, a couple years with being single, and she's like, I've met someone, and we're going to get married, but the thing is, he doesn't live here in Florida. He lives in Tennessee, and so I want to give you guys all a chance to decide on what you want to do, and so she's like, but the thing is, you're not allowed to talk to each other. Like, your decision has to be from you. Like, I don't want you talking to Nick. I don't want you talking to Tori, all that, and so we didn't. We didn't talk to each other, honestly. We did not talk, even though as close as me and Nick were, we, we didn't talk about it. And so the day came, Dad knew about it, he agreed to it, and Dad knew about it, and the day came where we had to choose. And so it, she sat us down, she said, Seth, Nick, Tori, what do you want to do? It started with me, and I said, I want to stay with my dad. And then Nick went, who, again, by the way, a spitting image of my dad said, I want to go with mom, who I'm, I'm very, I'm very close with Nick. He said, I want to go with mom. And then Tori, she said, I want to go with mom. So the only one that chose to stay with dad, who potentially would be six, seven, blonde hair, blue eyes, chose to stay with dad. And so I remember the day, like, it's just, if I were to close my eyes, I remember showing up to mom's house because I went with dad after that. I remember showing up at mom's house, and there was a U-Haul there. And I remember loading in the bikes that me and Nick used to ride all the time where he got hurt. I remember the, the toys that we used to play with. And I remember all those things. And I remember having to tell Nick and Tori and my mom bye. And I remember getting in the car with my dad, hitting the road. And me and him just bawling our eyes out. Like, I didn't regret my choice, but I didn't think I was leaving my brothers and sisters behind. Like, I'm really, I can't stress it enough. Like, I'm really close to my dad and my brother. And, like, it, it hit us hard. So, like, we're driving away and, like, we're just sitting there crying. Like, we're in the car just crying our eyes out on the way home. We have no idea what, what the future holds. And so dad does the best that he can. He doesn't, he's bouncing around from job to job can't hold a job, doesn't want a job, 
And so he finally gets into, like, personal training. He is a personal trainer at a gym. Uh, he still does that now. And at this point, like, we're, he's living with uh, another woman, but it's, it's toxic. Um, it's, it's really bad. So he wants out. And so, uh, he, and this is when he first is getting started. So he, it's not like he has the clients that he does now. Like, this is when he's first starting out. Um, again, he's like this tall. He's not the biggest guy in the world, um, but he's super athletic. And so, but when you go to the gym, like a lot of the guys just want to get huge. And so like they weren't, they were not going to him at all. And so what he was doing, here's how my dad basically made a living because he wasn't getting clients. He said, if I train you, I will train you completely for free if you let me and my son stay with you. If, if, if that's okay with you if, you, if you, if you don't have anything, like, can we just be your roommates? I will train you every day for free. You won't have to pay for anything. And so, believe it or not, people bid on it. So that's what we did, is we would bounce from house to house. When I'm 10 years old, we're literally bouncing from house to house all the way up until I'm 13. I can tell you from 10 to 13, I probably went to six or seven different schools because we were going boom. Boom, boom. We're just bouncing everywhere. We're bouncing everywhere. And so with all the bouncing, with all the bouncing, I never got my foot in in a good spot. Like I remembered the whole like go to church on Sundays, go on Wednesdays, like, but I I forgot all of that. Like I, at this point, like God's not even real to me anymore. Like, I, he's, he's way, way gone. My dad's, uh, he, he never, like, in, like, picked me up and took me to church. And so, like, I, I forget all about that. And so we're bouncing around from house to house. And, and with that being said, like, I remember my, I'll take you to my eighth grade year, um, middle school. This is when your boy's starting to feel himself a little bit. Puberty's coming on me. Like, I'm getting a little bit of hair. On my chin, like, your boy's feeling himself. I'm not going to lie. I had the nice flow. I'm trying to grow it back now. And um, the problem with that was, again, we're bouncing from house to house. Like, most of these houses, I didn't know that they even had a washer and dryer. I'm being dead honest. And so this is what would happen. This is my eighth grade year, by the way. I would not wash my clothes. I have not washed my clothes in three years at this point. Not Not one. Because I, I had no idea that there was a washer and dryer in the house. And so with that being said, here's, here's how Seth would do it. When, this is in Miami, so we moved back to Miami. This is where we're at. Obviously, it is hot. It is hot down there. So I would ride the bus. The bus didn't drop me off at my house because that's how far away we lived. I had to walk at least two to three miles home every day in the heat. And so your boy would have the same shorts that he wore every day. I would go into the bushes. I would take everything off, literally everything off, shirt, everything, and put on these shorts. Everything else would go in my book bag, and I would leave a shirt out so I can block the sun. And that's how I'd walk home with no shoes, no nothing on, no socks, because I didn't want anything to get dirty. And because if I was walk home in my school stuff, it'd be all stinky, all sweaty, and I just wasn't going to do it. So I put everything in my book bag, and I'd walk home two or three miles. And in all these houses, I never had a dresser. Like, I never had, like, a room, pretty much. We'd get to the house. Everything that was in a black trash bag would stay in a black trash bag, and that's about it. Like, I'd, I just had a pretty much a, 
uh, a mattress, like no box spring, no nothing, mattress, pillow, pretty much it. And so I'd get the black bag, I'd go through it, what clothes I wanted, I'd pull them out, set them down on the floor, put the mattress over it, and sleep on it. That's how I'd make sure my stuff wasn't wrinkly. That's pretty much a, a way of ironing my clothes. So it, they were in the black trash bag, and I'd pull them out. I'd straighten them out because they're in a ball. They're in a clump. I'd straighten them all out, lay them down, put the mattress over it, and I'd go to bed that next day, and then I'd wake up, and I don't know how it worked, but it worked. They would all be straightened. So I, that's how I'd go to school. Um, I didn't know any different. Like, again, I'm, I'm heavy into baseball. By the time I'm in eighth grade, um, I'm throwing about 89 miles per hour. Um, if, is there any baseball like fans in the room? Like back in back in those days, um, 89 was pretty heat, especially when you're like 12, 13 years old. Like that's that's fast. Um, I didn't know any better. Like I I just did not know. Like when I played baseball, um, like my my pants would be still clayed and dirty. Like my uniform would be all nasty. And I, like I just played baseball. Like that's all I knew. And so like going to school like that was was no different. Like, we just bounced around. I, I pretty much was homeless. Like, we didn't have much to eat because we were bouncing around. Like, we were just hoping that their pantry was full enough to feed me. Again, like, I'm growing quick. Like, your boy gets hungry. There wasn't much to eat. Uh, I didn't ever know to go look around the house because this is a stranger's house. Like, my dad taught me, like, just stay close. I didn't want to go looking around to see if they had a washer and dryer. And so that that's just how that's just how I grew up. And so eighth grade year, I'm playing baseball again, heavy. Uh, I, I love it. I'm eating it up. And I have not thought about seeing my mom, my dad, uh, my, my brother, my sister at all. So my freshman year comes along, and I'm still playing baseball. I'm traveling. I, I get to play. Uh, I didn't tell you this. I, I've been very blessed and fortunate to play with elite competition. I got to play for Team USA, Team Nike, uh, team Under Armour, uh, you name it. I played with, with top dogs that are, are, in, are playing professional ball right now. Um, if you if some of you raised your hands, do you guys know a pitcher named Andy Pettit? Does anyone know Andy Pettit? Well, he was like pretty much like a dad to me growing up. Um, I played baseball with his son. Um, he's pretty good too. Um, but so I, I, I excel in baseball. I pick it up really quick and I'm doing really well and my freshman year rolls around, and, and I'm already getting offers. Like, my first offer was from Florida Atlantic University. That was my first D1 offer. Uh, I remember it very vividly. My coach calls me into his office. This was before any freshman game. He says, Seth, you got an offer. Sweet, dude. Where is it from? He says, it's Florida Atlantic University. I'm like, I don't want to go there. That's cool. Let's keep doing it. And so uh, – we play, and I, again, at this point, my freshman year, I'm throwing about 92, 93, I'm starting on varsity. And at the end of that year, I'm like, I want to go see my family. I want to go see Nick. I want to go see Mom. I want to go see Tori. And so out of the goodness of my parents' heart, they give me a flight. I go see all my family. I see Nick. I see Tori. I see my mom. And I say, I miss this a lot. I miss this a lot. And me and my dad's relationship, um, he ended up getting married, and it got really bad. Um, I don't want to go too too much into it because um, I, ha- I have to be very sensitive on what I say. But it just got it got toxic, and I didn't want it anymore. Um, so after visiting my, my mom and after visiting my brother, I just said, this is a lot better than what I'm doing now. This is a way, way better. 
And so I said, Dad, this was the hardest, hardest thing in my entire life. Um, I said, this is on a phone call. I'm there for a week. I'm only supposed to be there for a week because I have a tournament to come back to and play. And a week goes by. I'm supposed to be coming back. I don't take the flight back. I stay out there, and, and uh, I call Dad back. Two weeks go by. Two and a half weeks go by, and I finally call him. And this is when we're about in Atlanta. And I say, Dad, I'm, I'm not coming back anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm going to live with my mom. And uh, it broke my dad's heart. Um, he, he, he loved watching me play baseball, but he also loved um, living baseball through me. Um, it, it was so much so that, like, we built a batting cage in our backyard about the size of this. Like, this is, we would have team practices when we hosted, like, Nike combines and stuff like that. They'd come over to the house, and we'd hit, we'd pitch, we'd do a lot of stuff in the backyard. And our relationship was just going down the drain so fast. We were arguing, we were fighting, we were doing all that sort of stuff. And I just said, this ain't it. This is not it. This is not what I want anymore. And so I said, Mom, I'm coming to live with you. And so I did. So my sophomore year, I moved to Tennessee, hence the accent. Um, Moved to Tennessee. And I'm still playing baseball. I do not want any part of church, but my mom goes to church. And so I was like, okay, well, I guess that's out for Sunday morning baseball. I guess I got to go. I signed up for this, and that's just a part of it. And so my sophomore year rolls around. I'm still getting tons of offers. By my sophomore year, I'm throwing about 94, 95. Um, I'm getting offers from, like, LSU, Auburn, Florida, you name it, all pretty much every SEC school. And um, my mom gets me in church. And, again, I despised it, totally despised it, did not want any part of it. And over time, though, over time, not definitely did not happen like the first time I went. But over time, I started remembering the stories that I read as a kid. I started remembering God in a real way. I started remembering this story. I started remembering that. And, like, it, it begins to hit me my sophomore year. And finally, probably about in the middle way through, like, God completely takes my life, takes me out, leaves the 99, comes after the one, takes everything off of me, and, like, I'm born again new. Like, I t- completely do a 360 in my life. Um, like, I, I, was, I, I was really bad, um, cussed a lot. I, I'd make a sailor blush. Um, it just was really bad. Like, I'm just being honest with you. It was really bad. I did all, all sorts of stuff, got invited to all sorts of kind of parties and you name it. And he just completely snatched me up and put me over here. And so my life was right. I'm diving into Jesus. Like I'm diving into this father that just loves me without question. And um, after my sophomore year, I go and play my junior year. And I'm still getting offers and stuff like that. And I, I left this part out when I was a freshman, sophomore um, I had the Houston Astros. Does anyone know the Houston Astros, the, the Scandal Club? I still kind of heard about that. But um, the pitching coach at the time came and scouted me, and he pretty much said, like, Seth, if you stay the course, if you keep doing what you're doing, we will draft you first round. Like, there's no question about it. He came and watched me pitch, and I was throwing. Again, this is when I was a freshman. I was about 92, 93. And I had probably, I pitched my best game when he was there. I had like 12 or 13 strikeouts through a no-hitter. Like it was a great game for him to come to. And he said, just stick the course. We will draft you. And so me and him have been in like contact and we stayed in touch and I'm getting offers. I'm scooping those up. And 
my junior year rolls around, and again, I'm totally different. I'm not the same guy anymore. And, like, my, my life is changing before my eyes. I'm wanting to go to church on Wednesdays. I'm wanting to go on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I'm just wanting to be at church, not on the baseball field. Like, this is the first time in my life where it was that way. And so midway through my junior year, like, I'm just feeling this, this call. It might have been Haven, my wife, telling me, be a pastor. But I just, I feel that in my heart. It was probably her behind me, be a pastor. And so I'm like wanting to just really, really, really deepen my relationship with the Lord. And I remember it was in a semifinal game. We just made it through district. We won district. Uh, I was the starting pitcher. I didn't pitch this game. Uh, The next game rolls around. Um, We won district. He was saving me for the semifinals. Um, But we were playing a team that we should have beat. We should have easily beat them. So I wasn't playing that game. I was going to be playing in the sub-state game and then, the obviously, the finals. And so, but we get waxed in the first, like, two innings. Like, the first guy that comes up, the, literally the first pitch our pitcher throws, he rears back, and this guy goes right over the fence. So I come in. I come in to pitch in a, in a semifinals game where I was not supposed to pitch because if you lose, you go home. So I'm there pitching. I'm there pitching. I start mowing them down. I'm throwing cheddar. I'm throwing 96, 97. I'm throwing heat. And, again, my life is right. I'm living totally different. I throw a pitch, strike the batter out. What normally happens is if there's no one on base, they throw it to third, they throw it to second, they throw it around. It's going to go around the horn. That starts happening, and I, re- I remember hearing the audible voice of God. Like, I heard it right here. He said, drop the baseball, pick up the Bible. In the middle of a semifinal game, I have, like, I come in in the third inning, like, I have six or seven strikeouts by now. Like, I'm, I'm throwing cheese. I'm feeling myself. And I remember hearing, drop the baseball, pick up the Bible, let's get after it. I finished the game, I finished the season, and I quit baseball. I did not play my senior year. All the offers, all the attention, everything that I ever collected went away. And I remember my coach uh, at the time, Haven knew him. Uh, she was in his biology class, and uh, he did not like that. Let's just say that we we did not go to a private school. Um, it was very public, and he made that known. He did not like that. Um, I told him I was I was done. I was not playing anymore. I did not want to play baseball anymore. I know what I'm called to do. I want to be a minister of the gospel. I love Jesus, and that's what I told him. I said, I love Jesus, man. I don't want to play anymore. And, again, he did not like that. And I remember my whole senior year getting calls, texts, getting all sorts of stuff saying, Seth, are you still, are you still interested? Are you still wanting to do this? I still had um, – I haven't, obviously, at this point committed anywhere because I was still getting stuff in. Um, worship band, you can, you can go ahead and come back up. Um, I was still getting stuff in, and I, I, I left it all. I left every bit of it away. And so my senior year, I I dive in more than I ever have in my life to Jesus. And I remember sitting down, not ever reading the Bible, opening it up at Genesis. And I, I don't recommend this at all, but this is just what I did. I opened it up in Genesis and I just start reading and eating it up, just start going at it. And like I finished the Bible in like three months. 
I'm just going through it. I'm just so, I'm falling in love with Jesus and everything that he has to offer me. And I'm flipping the pages and just falling in love my senior year. And I finally get that call where I feel like this is what I'm supposed to do. Like, this is who I am. I'm not, I'm not supposed to be a baseball player. Like, I'm not supposed to be that guy. I'm not supposed to be the one that's on the screen. I'm not supposed to be that guy. Like, I feel like this is what God wants for me. And I, I know that this is a, a testimony story, but, like, you'll find out with me, like, I give everything like it's my last. I love this. This right here, doing what I'm doing on Wednesdays and seeing kids' lives changed and and getting to baptize kids during spiritual awareness week, like that's more exciting to me than any semifinal championship game that I've ever pitched in my entire life. Like for God to, for God to take a kid like me, homeless, not wanted, forgotten that had to put his clothes under his bed, put the mattress on top, sleep on it, walk home pretty much almost naked for him to say, I got something way better than baseball could ever give you. That's a small part of my story. He took a kid like me growing up, didn't have a dad. Gave me a dad. And put his last name on my back. This is one of the jerseys I told you I'd tell you the story. And do you guys know where Jupiter, Florida is at? I'm proud of y'all. Y'all don't stick up here. Jupiter, Florida is where the Cardinals, there was a Cardinals, I'm not a Cardinals fan, but this is where their farm team was, and when I was a freshman, I had the opportunity and privilege to go play baseball with some of their ball team. Uh, this is double A, so I'm playing with like grown men, I'm playing with like 25-year-olds. I had an opportunity to go play, it was like a little scrimmage, they invited me to go out to, and they gave me a jersey with my name on it, and this is my last name right here but it wasn't in the beginning. Bertarelli. So the whole point of this, again, I, I'm, a, I'm a preacher, and I told you I give everything like it's my last. Can you all stand in this room? I know this is a family fun day and all that stuff. This is my first one, so we're going to milk it. If Pastor, if Pastor James probably was like, you ain't ever going to do it again after this. But just like my dad put his last name on my back, maybe right now there's some in this room where you feel like you don't have a last name. Maybe there's some in this room where you feel like you're all alone, you're by yourself on an island, there's no one watching you, there's no one there for you. You feel like everyone's left you, you're just in a room by yourself. I wanna let you know that there is a father who wants to put his last name on you. Just like he did with me. There, there, although the story is unique, although the story is different, it's still the same at the end. He wants you home. 
He wants to leave the 99 to go running after you. Everyone bow your heads and close your eyes with me. I want to, I, I need to give this call. If that is you, if you want the Father's last name on your back, I need you to raise your hand for me. Thank you, thank you. Hands going up. Hands going up everywhere. If you're saying, I don't know if I got it. I don't know if I have it. Pastor Seth, I want that last name. Thank you, thank you. Everyone can look at me. We're going to end with one song. And it's, it's such an appropriate song. If you raised your hand, I want to let you know that you, you give this thing everything you got. I believe in this moment, out of all the things that I've said, all the stories that I can tell you, that this right here, when he put his last name on my back, not, not my dad, but when Jesus put his last name on my back, and he called me son, that is the highlight of my life. More than anything I've ever done, that's my highlight. Come on, can you raise your hands one more time? Everyone, just as a sign of surrender. Come on, let's just worship like family. Father, we love you. We thank you for everything that you've done and all that you're going to do. More than any story that I've ever shared this morning, more than any, any personal position that I've let be vulnerable. Father, I pray that they look past that all and they see that in every moment of my life that you were chasing after me. Lord, and I pray that this moment of this day, of this hour, the ones that raised their hands would have the same call, the same burn, the same passion to run after you that I did. Lord, you make all things new. And we give you the glory, honor, and praise because you're a good, good father. Come on, church. Let's worship the King of Kings this morning.